Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, good morning, Riverwood. So good to be together uh, to sing songs. Christ be magnified, uh, to be gathered together for baptism, and in this moment of hearing from God's word as well. Well, there we were, 16 of us. We went on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic. And on the Sunday we were there, we had this great announcement that we were going to be going out to Pastor Jacobo's church. Now, he is one of the pastors we support. And uh, we've done a lot of training with him. And, uh, and so it was going to be a delight to see him in his church. This is what it looks like at that church. We drive out through the sugarcane fields and you're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, this is the one room structure they have called church. Uh, There it is, the Americans and the Dominicans gathering together. And so the person we had gathered to see is the man on the right there, uh, also pictured here, Pastor Jacobo. But what was happening under that one roof actually was very, very unique and special. There was a bigger story happening. The average onlooker might not have known the special uniqueness of what exactly was taking place. But let me tell you the story. In 2007, the man holding the Bible right there went on a missions trip. His name is Kim Costanza. He goes to the Dominican Republic, and much like us, he was going from house to house sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with whoever would listen. And so he was in someone's house talking to a certain person, and then they moved on. Here's the amazing part of that story. The person he was speaking to was not very interested. The one who was very interested was the person in the corner of the house listening. And from that moment, the Lord used Kim in those words that weren't directed towards this man to change his life. Jesus Christ did a work in renovating and in forgiving him and drawing him into a relationship with him. That man's name was Jacobo, and he wasn't done. He was then going to be a pastor in that village and all of this incredible story. So here we are driving out to see Pastor Jacobo. That's not who was preaching that day. We get into the church, and guess who was preaching? His son. That would be that gentleman right there, Vladimir. Vladimir is talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it had changed his life and how it had changed the life now of his wife and his kids that are running around in that church. And here's what stood out to me. Four generations of the gospel under one roof, from Kim to Jacobo to Vladimir to his kids. The Lord is doing an incredible work right there under that one roof. Amazing. And that's going to be our conversation today. We're going to have a conversation about what is, what is the Lord doing to pass on what he has entrusted into your care. The spiritual impact, the spiritual influence that you have, are you passing it on? You see, you've been passed something, and for better or worse, we're going to talk about that, but you have been passed something. And if you are in Christ, he then says, please magnify my name with your life. Now, if you're someone who's like, well, this is, 
clearly for someone who is older and I'm only 16 or 17. No, 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 no. This is for everybody. There is a next generation of influence and spiritual impact that you can have with your friends, your family, with your neighborhood, in your church. And so that is what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm glad you're here. It is no accident that you are here. God has placed all of these people here in this moment for a very specific purpose, to hear from his word. And I believe that his word says that it has the ability to pierce to the deepest levels of the heart and soul. God's word has that ability, and I'm praying that he will do that even in this moment as we interact with God's word right here in this room. All right, so a very special welcome if you're new. We're walking through this series called Greater Than. As a church, it's very clear who is greater than. The book of Hebrews makes it obviously clear that the one who is greater than is Jesus Christ. And we've been walking through this series. He is greater than, and the list goes on and on. He is greater than angels and Moses and Melchizedek and the Old Testament sacrificial system. Jesus Christ is greater And now we've been walking through chapter 11 of this book very slowly. And we've been seeing now all of the Old Testament characters who have been walking by faith. Faith. Walking by faith. Every week, faith. We saw that in Abel walked by faith. Enoch walked by faith. Noah walked by faith. And then last week, Abraham walked by faith. And now this week, Isaac. Isaac. Who is Isaac? We're going to learn about Isaac, and we're going to learn something about what was passed on to him and how he was passing something on to even his kids. All right, let's start here. What is faith? We talk about it each week in our series here. This is what faith is. Faith is present daily living. Like right now, I am am walking by faith, living my life by faith. How do you do that? Based on the confidence that God will fulfill his promises in the future. Like he's going to do something in the future. The scriptures are so clear, even long-term future, eternity future, that is secure. Why? Um, Because he has proven faithful in the past. He has been, he has kept his promises from even before, this is going to be mind-blowing, before creation. He always was the God who has no beginning. And so because of his faithfulness and his promises to all those people I just mentioned, we can be like, yes, he's going to do that. And so right here, I walk by faith. How do these people do it? How do these Old Testament characters do it? That's why we're asking these questions. All right, so if you have your Bible... Here we go, into Hebrews chapter 11. It's going to be on the screen, uh, around the room, uh, right here in the front, and you'll see it. But um, in Hebrews chapter 11, we're now going to spend some time answering the question, what was, what was passed to Isaac? What did Abraham and Sarah, his parents, pass on to him? It's a pretty unique story. Let's look at it together in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. This is what God's word says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, 
from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. All right. So the writer of Hebrews understands that we probably understand the Old Testament and where this story is really coming from. I'm going to remind us of that story. We might be not as familiar. This is now going back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. That's what this story is detailing. And I'm going to read you the account, this is a portion of it. This is the bigger story of what is happening. So after these things, in Genesis chapter 22, it says this, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took his two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. As the account then continues in Genesis chapter 22, Isaac is a little bit inquisitive in this moment. Um, hey, Dad, um, so what are we sacrificing here? Oh, just follow me, son. But where's the burnt offering? Uh, what's that look like? Where's the animal? Come, follow me. And we get all the way to the moment when he was ready to sacrifice his son, and the Lord stopped him. And, and he said, no, this is not what you're going to do. And in that moment, he provided, he provided a sacrifice. And so... In that moment, even Abraham had a really strong faith. How do I know that? I'm looking at the text, and in verse 5, it even says, the language is very clear, that when he was going up the mountain, notice what he said. I and the boy are going up into the mountain. We, 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 we're, we're coming back. He didn't say, I'm coming back. I don't know about him. We are coming back. He had faith that the Lord was going to do something incredible. The writer of Hebrews even captures that, that maybe, just maybe, Abraham considered that God could also bring back to life someone who had been dead. That's the kind of God he served. And so I ask at this moment, how did that impact Isaac, watching his father, this bold faith, and how God provided so much so that that's that place where they were, they renamed it Yahweh provides. It had a new name now. That's how significant it was. The Lord provides. That had spiritual impact on Isaac. See, spiritual impact comes in lots of forms, lots of shapes and sizes. Sometimes the Lord uses people to spiritually impact his message. Sometimes circumstances. Sometimes pain. I even believe he uses churches to spiritually impact people in key moments where they're listening. While we were in the Dominican, every night we'd gather together as a team and we'd tell stories. The stories we would tell were our stories, the personal stories of where the Lord had had used other people for spiritual impact, moments. What did that look like in your life? What did he walk you through? And the one that really stood out to me was someone who said, the most spiritual impact on my life 
with something that was prayed over me from my grandparents and my great-grandparents who never knew me. That the Lord used faith, the faithfulness of, of grandparents who are praying and praying and praying for the Lord's blessing, praying spiritual impact. And even over great-grandchildren, they would never meet. Please, Lord, be kind. Show your presence to them. Show them their need of a Savior. Spiritual impact comes in many forms. But let's be honest. Everything isn't positive in the spiritual impact category. I realize that you might be sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, um, spiritual impact of the story of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got nothing. I got nothing. Nobody's ever told me any of this. Your, your spiritual impact is like flatlined. Or maybe your story is even darker than that. Because I realize that in a broken world filled with evil, there are people who do things to people that even causes them to say, I would never want anything to do with a God who does those kinds of things and allows these kinds of things to happen. And maybe that's your story too. There's a brokenness. There is an evil that has happened and you are coming to the point where you're saying, if that's what a, a heavenly father might be like because of my earthly father or what has happened to me, then I want nothing to do with it. And those, those things pain me as a pastor because this world is filled with garbage and evil and people doing things to people that they shouldn't. And I want you to know that there is a God who does love you and cares deeply about you. And there's a story of his grace and mercy and love that he wants you to know. And maybe this is the, the moment he wants you to hear it. Because maybe he wants you to hear that you're, you are def not defined by the brokenness. You can have a new identity. And maybe this is that moment. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians that speaks to the beautiful transformation that can happen. And it goes something like this. Um, it goes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Maybe that's the kind of influence that you need to hear today. Because everything isn't positive and, and great. And it wasn't for Isaac either. He was a product of not just that moment of, of greatness on that mountain, but he also was a product of, of brokenness. How do we know this to be true? Um, I'm going to now go back to another story in Hebrews chapter, or in, in uh, Genesis chapter 20. Notice the other part of the influence. From there, it said that Abraham, this is his father, now the influence of his father and mother, they journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And, and so he journeyed and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of his Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. And now Abimelech had not approached her. And so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? 
Did he not deny? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And herself said, he is my brother? All right, so what's the bigger story here? Isaac, he has all these great moments from his father, Abraham. Here's not such a great moment. What's happening here? His parents are lying. Abraham and Sarah, they're lying as they go into this territory. Why would they lie about their identity? They were lying because it was hopefully going to go easier on them. If you went into a foreign territory and you said, well, we're actually brother and sister, there would be more leniency on you unless you said you were husband and wife because if the king really liked your wife, then maybe he'd get rid of you. And so flat out, Abraham and Sarah are this lying, but the most unique part about their lie is that they had done this before. A number of chapters before, they're walking through Egypt and they say the same thing. And it speaks to their lack of trust in God. And so I, again, I'm wondering, like, what kind of impact did that have on Isaac? These wonderful moments, but also these very low moments. The kind of influence that even parents who are imperfect have on their kids parents aren't perfect. They make mistakes, and they're passing that on to their kids as well. All right, so let's, let's stop here and ask some questions. What has brought spiritual impact into your life? And maybe you hear that question, and it's like, yes, I am so grateful for it. And you go back to a person, a parent, a coach, Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a, a random stranger who shared the gospel with you. Maybe spiritual impact came maybe through a circumstance. Maybe he got your attention in a, in a different way. For me, my story was my parents shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me at a young age. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. I, I can't even put a price on how grateful I am that they shared that truth with me. But like I said before, everything doesn't just have a spiritual high to it. There's also spiritual brokenness, and, and you might be wondering, I got nothing to give. See, in the end, we are a product of what has been passed to us. Positive, negative, or maybe nothing. We are a product of that. And I want you to know that if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. And what defines you isn't your brokenness. What can define you is Jesus Christ and his story of redemption and grace and love that he has for you. That can be your new identity. Here at Riverwood, we talk about the story. The story is just a little booklet. It's right in front of you in the seats. And it speaks to the, the story that can change your life where Jesus Christ comes in and he takes the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of your heart and says, I can redeem that. I can, I can do something about that. Because of what he did at the cross, he now offers us grace and mercy, his love to us. And so maybe that little booklet is something you want to take with you. And you're like, I want to know more. Maybe that is the spiritual influence you are going to need um, to introduce you to having a relationship with Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And if that is your story, then there's another part of the conversation we need to have. Part one is what has been passed to you. 
And we see that even the best of parents don't pass on the greatest of things. And there's lots of junk in this world, yet God uses imperfect people and and vessels that are broken to carry on his story of redemption. So part two is this question. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if he has redeemed you, what are you passing on? You see, it's not just something that you absorb and you're done. His design as, as spiritual beings is for us to now tell, to live, to display the good news, the gospel in our own lives. What are you passing on? Well, before we answer that, let's see what Isaac passed on. It's a really interesting story. He's less than perfect, influences, and now in chapter 26 of Genesis, this is a really interesting story of what he is now passing on. It says this, Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. All right. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you for you and your offspring. I will give all of these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to, to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. I will give to your offspring all of these lands. And in your offspring and all the nation of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. All right, this is sounding wonderful. All right, verse six. So Isaac settled in Gerar. And when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, you see what he said? She's my sister. Wait a second. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like the climactic moment. You're going to do it different than your father. But he didn't. And this is what I love about the Bible, because it tells you the real stories of human beings. Imperfect in so many ways. This climactic moment. He now is put in that moment to say, oh, well, who is she? She's my sister. Why did he say that? He feared to say my wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. All this talk about incredible influence of Abraham and the reminder, and then he ends up lying, just like his father. And Abimelech, he, he knows this. He has seen this before. He saw it with Abraham. Last time, God spoke to him in a dream. This time, there's no dream needed. He just looks out, and he's watching Isaac and Rebekah, and they have that look. They're laughing with one another. You know that look you have when you're laughing with your wife, you're in love? Yes? Yeah, okay. Abimelech sees it, and he says, caught you. You're lying to me. Fool me once. You're not going to fool me again. Your dad was a liar, and so are you. 
And so in the text, we see Isaac continues to follow God with his own life, but there is something of dysfunction that he has been passed, that he is now passing on. He's imperfect. It's real. There's like these generations of, of junk that he has these bags that he is now passing on, and people are watching that, and his sons are watching that. My wife and I were taking a walk this week when it was very nice out. We're on the trail with our dogs, and I was like, I was just thinking of this, and she wasn't, and I said something like this. I said, hey, Joyce, you do realize that we are passing on our dysfunction and junk to our three sons. And that's like a nice, like, happy topic, right? But it's true. It's so true. I'm not going to deny it. I wish it wasn't, but it's true. We are passing on the things of imperfection. But here's the good news. And that's what I need to remind myself of as well. That God, in spite of our dysfunctions and our sin and our selfishness and our pride, he still uses us to pass on his gospel. That's good news, right? He uses broken people to continue his message. And we see that in Isaac, the Isaac narrative too. Notice the next story. The next story in chapter 26 is Isaac. He's, he's sojourning in this foreign land. The Philistines are, are causing disruption by stopping up the wells that his father had dug. And now he's reopening these wells and there's tension. But Isaac, he, he's a powerful man. He is wealthy. He has connections, but he's walking in wisdom. He's walking with the Lord. And this is what the Bible tells us about his influence. In chapter 26, it says this. From there, he went up to Beersheba. This is Isaac. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. I am with you, Isaac. And I will bless you, Isaac, and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So Isaac, he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. And as you keep reading the story, Abimelech, this Philistine king, he's watching all of this take place. And he says this in the text. He says, there's something unique happening here. The Lord is with you, isn't he? This Yahweh that you speak of, he must be with you. He was with your father, and now you have treated us this way with kindness. Why do you do this? The Lord must be with you. And Isaac is passing this on, what was passed to him. It was imperfect, but it was the gospel of what God had done. Now he is passing on. And Yahweh appeared to him and, and he said, rename this place. This is what he was passing on. And so now we get back to the narrative of Hebrews. 
We took kind of a longer journey in, in Genesis to kind of hear the real story. And now we get back to Hebrews. And in Hebrews, there's one verse that summarizes Isaac's life. I mean, his father, Abraham, had like 15 or 16. But this is the only thing that, is, that the writer of Hebrews wants you to know, the important thing. Notice what he says. By faith. Oh, key word. He walked by faith. We, all know, we know what faith is. Sure of the future because of the past, what he had done from generation to generation. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings. You see? Future, he, he's passing on something to Jacob and Esau. The Lord has been faithful. He has walked me through all of this, and now he is passing that on. Next week, we're going to look at the Jacob story. It's a really interesting one. By faith, he was passing on to the next generation in all of its imperfection. All right, so just as we were asking questions about what was passed on to us, now we start asking questions about this. What are we passing on? What are you passing on to the next generation? And I'm talking about the next generation under your roof, the next generation of people at work, the next generation of people in your neighborhood, the next generation of people in maybe even in this church. What spiritual impact of the gospel does God want to use you for? And you're telling his story. It's not your story, but he's wanting to tell his story in and through your life. And so I'm a person who likes to write down questions, and these are questions I have for myself. These aren't your questions, but maybe you'll like to steal a couple of them. But here's what I've been asking myself. Am I passing a love of sports and hobbies to those around me or a love of Jesus Christ? What am I passing? I think hard about this to my own sons. But what am I passing to them? Here's another question. Am I passing a love of God's word to the next generation or a love of this world? We love to have a love affair with material things and the things of this world, but am I passing on something that we were even singing about that will endure forever? You know what will endure forever? This word will. This is going to be there forever and ever. Am I passing a love of God's word to the next generation? And then uh, this question, am I passing on a trust in God or a trust in being self-reliant? You need to be a responsible human being and control everything and you do it all yourself and pick yourself up by your bootstraps and all that is fine, but where does faith play a part of that? Where do we turn to the Lord when we don't know the answer? Where, where do we submit ourselves in brokenness? Where do we forgive and ask for forgiveness. Like, what does that look like? Am I passing on a trust in God or in just being a good person? You see, there is a story that is emanating from every single one of us. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would describe it this way. There's an aroma coming from your life. And the question really is, what does that smell like? 
Does the aroma smell like Christ? Or does the aroma smell like something of this world? These are hard questions. I, I can't sort all this out in, in the half hour. These are things we need to really contemplate and, and ask ourselves the hard questions about really what is the Lord doing. All I know is that I want what we sang to be true. I want it to be true in my life. Christ be magnified. Be magnified. Use, use me to magnify your story right here under this roof. See, the Lord is good as there are four generations of, of gospel in that little church in the Dominican Republic. There are numerous generations. I'm so thankful what the Lord is doing. But I dream about how he will continue to do that. When his people are obedient to be used and to think hard about, yes, how can I proclaim, how can I magnify the gospel to those around me, he will be faithful to continue to tell his story. May all of us be challenged in that.